Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Week four, the time is now, and you guys are not going to mess with me today. I'm going to finish the last three points of this message, and uh, I am ready to jump right into it. So we're going to start with point 16 today, and uh, wow, I preached an hour and five minutes last week on point 15, Uh, but obviously something needs to be said. We've seen some good fruit this week of repentance, and uh, I am thankful for the goodness of God. How are you doing today? How many of you would rather be here than the best cemetery in Gainesville? It's a stupid question, right? I have to ride by one every Sunday coming to church, and every Sunday I am thankful that I am not there. And, uh, but, uh, amen, amen. All right, point 16, do not be anxious. Wow, what a word for 2021. Do not be anxious. The time is now. And uh, for the sake of trying to stay on my points, I have decided not to preach out of Haggai this morning, even though uh, it's so good. And I spent a lot of time this week over in Nehemiah as well. And uh, once again, I just want to encourage all of you, you have an opportunity this year to read through the Bible, the whole Bible this year with the Rock of Gainesville, not just with us, literally, there are churches all over the world participating in this very particular uh, Bible uh, reading that I, uh, Suzanne, I chose for this year. And I would encourage you to do that. And uh, as well, um, February the 3rd, we announced last week, February the 3rd, we're going to start a family night here on Wednesday nights. We're very excited about the very first one, February the 3rd. We're going to have a night of worship. We're going to have baptism that night. Come on, somebody. We're going to baptize some folks. And uh, I think I'm it, so I think I'm going to be the one doing the baptizing, and I'm excited about that. And, uh, and then we're going to share with you the first nine weeks that we will be gathering through February and March. Then on the first Wednesday of April, we'll give you the outline for uh, April and May because we have uh, some plans that the pastors are working through. We're excited about it. We're going to have a men's night only. Ladies, you're not allowed to come. You can intercede for us at home, uh, but you can't come in the building. And uh, that's going to be the third week of February, the third week of March. Uh, Pastor Suzanne, the ladies are going to have a ladies' night only, and the guys are going to be staying home, taking care of all the children. Amen? And uh, we're, we're going to be, I might be peeking in, because I have the authority to, but... Uh, <laughs> And I have no babies to watch at home, so I might be in the back behind the screen. You'll never know, ladies, uh, but we're, we're excited about that. We're going to have the, uh, the other nights, we'll be having some teaching. I'm going to be teaching on uh, some things that have really been in my heart this year for discipleship, uh, for the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that uh, the Lord came and died for us, not just so that we can make it to heaven. Amen. He's called us to live our lives with purpose, and really that's what today's message is all about. So let me jump into this. Do not be anxious. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through uh, verse 34. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
Okay, now remember, Jesus is speaking here. Say Jesus is speaking. All right, so again, this is the Lord speaking, and it's really, it's not a request. This is really a command of the Lord uh, for us. And uh, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the vast majority, and I'll say of us, have ended 2020 dealing with the spirit of anxiousness. Not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what's going to happen with, with disease and COVID and, and the presidential elections and all the stuff that's going on. And so we, we had this sense of the enemy allowing or, or the enemy pursuing with all he has to bring us into a place where we, we will be fearful. We will live with anxiety. And that is not what God has called us to do. So this word is for us. Say this word is for me today. No, I didn't mean that it's for me because I've already been preaching this to me. This word is for you today, all right? And uh, I, I really encourage you to hear by the Spirit what he's saying. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? How many of you believe you're of more value than the birds that are flying around your bird bath out in the backyard? Amen. Pooping all over the place. <laughs> we have had an influx of, of robins, I think they are, uh, in our uh, neighborhood over the last couple of weeks, and they are so beautiful uh, from a distance. But I went out there the other day to clean out my bird bath, and my gosh, I was like, I'm going to have to get me some owls or something out there to keep those things away. They're, they're just messing up everywhere. And I'm thankful that I'm of more value than they are, even though they're beautiful and God created them for a purpose. And which of you, verse 27, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Wow. Say Wow. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things that you have needed will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. And this is really the word for us. For tomorrow, come on, will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So when, when I was meditating on this a couple of weeks ago, I really began to ask the Lord to, to let me see the, the heart of Christ as he spoke this word and with what kind of uh, passion that he spoke it with. And I, I see the Lord really challenging the disciples and the early church with a conviction that, he that what he was saying, there was a grace to walk it out. See, the Lord never says anything to us, never requires anything of us, never speaks anything to us that he hasn't already made a way for us in the midst of it. Can you say amen to that? 
That was the whole story last week of Haggai when, when the prophet came and said, this is what the Lord's saying to, to do. And the first thing was he said, you got to go out and gather the timber. You got to go out and cut down the wood. And remember that before they went out, years before, he had already planted the seeds, come on, of the timber that would grow up to rebuild his house. So there's nothing that the Lord is speaking to you today. There's nothing that the Lord is requiring of you today. There's nothing that the Lord is challenging you today. There's nothing that the Lord is asking you to do today that he hasn't already made a way for you to do it. But here's the thing. He will not do it for you. Amen? He's given you the grace to walk it out. He's given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to walk it out but it still requires you the step of faith. And when we step out in faith, I'm telling you, there will never be a time that his grace is not there. Come on, besides Jamie, somebody say amen to that. In this time we are in right now, we need to apply our faith to this word and not allow the enemy to sidetrack us with fear and anxiety. I'm excited about 2021, and yet every day when I open up different articles from prophets around the world, from ministers, uh, from uh, men that are not in ministry, but men in business that I respect, almost without exception, they're all saying a lot of the same thing about persecution coming about what's going to happen to the church, about the attack on... I was reading an article this morning from the persecuted church, and Jeff King was talking about in, in 1915 in Turkey, when the Turkish government killed one million Christians. It's called the Turkish Christian Genocide, one million believers because of their faith in Jesus Christ. A couple of months ago in Turkey, the Turkish... Turkish government took over the last remaining Christian church, gorgeous cathedral, took it over and turned it into a mosque. That's not happening in America. We don't need the grace for that today in America. Our Turkish brothers and sisters, our Iranian brothers and sisters, our Iraqi brothers and sisters in Christ, they're walking in a grace that you and I do not have to walk in today. But hear me. We have to walk in the grace to overcome whatever obstacle the enemy is throwing against us. And it might be your wealth. It might be your abundance. It might be your excessiveness. Whatever the Lord is requiring of us, he's given us a grace to walk in it. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So we have the ability to do it. All right, point 17. Look at that. Wow. I just did that in five, six, seven minutes. Number 17, we're going to be here for a couple of minutes. The time is now. We are called to be salt and light in the earth. I was in the back behind the screen during prayer, and I heard Pastor Suzanne praying this prayer. I thought maybe she had read my notes, uh, and I know she hasn't. But uh, th this salt and light thing, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Jesus spent some time talking about what believers, listen to me, what believers would be, not what they would be striving to be. I didn't get up today going, man, I really need to strive to be salt today. 
Matter of fact, Suzanne boiled some eggs this morning. I went in the kitchen after she had finished. We got this new little neat little plastic. Looks like it costs about $3 plastic thing, but it boils a perfect egg. I mean, the perfect egg. You just crack a little bit and that thing just peels right off. It's like, wow, I wish I would have invented that thing. You can buy it on Amazon for like less than 10 bucks, I think. But it's the coolest thing. So she boiled her eggs. She had had her eggs. She left a couple for me. And I went out there and uh, I fixed my eggs. I fixed my sausage. I got everything ready. And, uh, and then I got a little pinch of salt because a boiled egg is not an egg. Come on, somebody. Come on without some salt on it. And then I just dumped the pepper all over it. And then I got me some grated cheese. Come on, somebody, now we're talking, right? I just spread that all over those couple of boiled eggs, sliced open my little sausage, popped that thing in the microwave for 10 seconds, had the perfect breakfast. You know why? Because the salt did what it was supposed to do. It gave flavor, but it made me thirsty. Come on, somebody. It gave flavor, but it made me thirsty. So if you're going to apply salt, what's salt going to do in the world? It's going to make people around you thirsty. Not for water. I said thirsty, and about five of y'all just took your big old swigs of water. <laughs> Or your coffee. Please don't spill that coffee in here. Uh, but it makes you thirsty. Listen to me. That's what we are supposed to do in the world. You don't have to get up tomorrow and go, oh, God, oh, Lord Jesus, today I just want to go out and, Lord, I want to be better salt today. No, salt is salt. I don't strive to be salt. You don't strive to be salty. You is or you isn't. You are because of the salvation that was freely given to you through Jesus Christ. And that salt can come out in all kinds of ways. Can come out through a loving action, a gift, a smile, being there for somebody that's hurting, speaking a word to someone, your life. Every day, 24-7, listen to me, church, we are called to be the salt of the earth. Let's talk about, let's read real quick what Jesus had to say. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Listen to this. Don't miss it. You, say me. me. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You also are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we as Christians, the time is now in 2021 for us to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's the time that we stop 
being intimidated by unbelievers. That we go into the world not arrogant, not cocky, but full of the love of God and let our lives touch. Some days the saltiness of your life will cause someone to receive a seed of hope. Not your responsibility to save that person. Your responsibility is to be salt or to be light. You go out, the light shines, someone sees it, and you never, never, never know. And you might never know until you get to heaven. That your light was the seed that the Lord began to stir in their heart. Someone else comes along in their light, and all of a sudden they speak a word or they share something or they touch this same person with the light of the love of Jesus Christ. And that seed gets watered. Wow. Never knowing, never knowing that your actions a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, 20 years ago, planted the seed. I was reading a story the other day. A minister was talking about a a conversation he had had with a lady in the house, and she was just beaming, overjoyed. She was just full of the expression of joy of the Lord so much in her life. And he asked her, what's, what's happened? And she said, for 37 years, I prayed passionately and consistently that the love of my life, my husband, would come to Jesus. 37 years, he would not darken the door of the church. 37 years, he lived his life, I lived my life. I went to church, he would not go to church. 37 years, I had my ups and downs. I hammered him, I hashed him, I, I, I rebuked him, I tried to love him, I tried to be this and that. And finally, after years, she said, I just surrendered it. And Holy Spirit said, just be salt. And she said, and so I went about loving him with a passion that did not want to see him separated from the Father for eternity. And she said, preacher, when we build our new church, my husband, the week that we were moving into our new church, my husband almost caused me to have a heart attack when he said, honey, I think I'm going to go to church with you today. Check out your new building. He came, he heard the gospel. And in that service, he lifted his hand and prayed the prayer and confessed Jesus to be Lord of his life. Did that seed just get planted, watered, and come to fruition in that moment? Did that preacher get all the credit for such an amazing message that that man that day came to Christ? No. That woman had been planting seed and watering seed and praying over that seed for 37 years. Someone else had prayed. Someone else had invited. Someone else had shared a good word. See, we all are called to be the salt and the light that this world desperately, America desperately needs. 
So you know what that means, church? You can't be pointing fingers at the preacher or the pastors and say, you guys do your job and fill up this building and we'll be happy and keep coming. Because you didn't hire me (laughs) to do something that God called me to do. And he called me as a saint to be salt and light, but he called me as a pastor and apostle to challenge, to teach, encourage, to convince you to walk out into the world and to take the basket off of the light of your life and let your light shine. Let your light shine. Say this with me. Jesus, I want my light to shine. See, that's where it begins, is a desire. I was meeting with a pastor friend this week, and he asked me the question. I guess at 63, it's a question all younger pastors ask older pastors. What's your plan for the future? Who are you passing the baton to? I said, I'm not planning on going anywhere for a while. (laughs) Don't have any idea who's going to get the baton, except whoever it is, it's who God appointed. I believe God will show me one day. And I'm thrilled that every day he doesn't show me. (laughs) Like, yes, Lord, I don't need to know. That's for down the road. He didn't wake up Joshua until after Moses was gone. Come on, somebody. But, but we were talking, and he was asking me, what's your passion? I said, listen, one day I will pass the baton. And if the Lord tarries and allows me, I'll probably spend six to eight months of every year on the mission field doing what I love to do, preaching Jesus to a lost and dying world. And then I'm going to come home and play with my grandkids, sit on the front row and be the loudest amen that the next guy has ever had. He's going to, he's going to say, Pastor, would you please just be quiet? We know you're in the house, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be shouting down. I'm going to be the greatest support for the next man of God that stands in this pulpit. Because it's never about us. It's about all of us doing what we've all been called to do. Say amen to that. Called to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. So I told you last week I was going to share a story. I've read this story several times this week, and it's just such an incredible story. Matter of fact, earlier um, I actually ordered the book that this story came out of. But it talks about the man in a white robe. And the uh, political turmoil of our day proves our need for a movement that can transcend our divisions and bring us into community for the common good. Many of you know the name Lee Strobel. He's the guy that wrote the book, um, The The Case for Christ. And there's a movie. It's powerful, powerful story. Talking about a guy that did everything within his power to prove that God wasn't. The problem was he got in the Word. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh! Ruh-roh! You get in the Word, something's going to happen in your life. Listen to me, church. That's why the enemy wants to keep you out of the Word. And watching stupid vision. Some of y'all know more about what CNN and Fox News is saying than you know about the Word of God. And you wonder why you're frustrated and tormented and anxious. 
because you're filling yourself. I mean, I'm asked all the time, Pastor, aren't you afraid of COVID? You, your immune system's very weak. You, you shouldn't even be here. I don't live in fear. I use a lot of wisdom, try to stay away the best I can from sick people. Matter of fact, if my wife sneezes at home, I scoot over about three feet. She's already had COVID, you know? I mean, she, she had COVID while I was in the middle of a transplant. Uh-oh, did God literally protect me from COVID while I had a zero immune system in the hospital going through a transplant and my wife sitting there not knowing that she had COVID? See, I believe God can protect us. I believe that even when we go through the fire and some of us go through sickness, many of you have had COVID in here. I don't take it lightly, hear me. I'm not saying this, it's a serious deal. Ask any nurse or doctor in here that works in the hospital, especially near or around the COVID floors. It's a horrible sickness. Don't understand why some people get it and they lose their smell and their taste and boom, that's it. And others get it and they're in ICU with tubes all down them fighting for their life. It's serious, but hear me. There have been a lot of serious illnesses in the world throughout history. We either believe in God or we say we believe in God, but we really don't. Or we say we believe in God to touch someone else's life, but I don't have enough faith for my life. See, if I were to ask in this room, if I were to ask uh, all of our church family that's online, if I ask anybody and everybody that I know, I have been overwhelmed with the support and the love of the body of Christ. Every person that I know that I've ever had a relationship with has written me or touched me in some kind of way saying there's never a day goes by that I'm not praying for you. And I believe you pray in faith. And I believe that you believe in your heart that God's performing a miracle in my life, transforming bad blood back into good blood. I believe that. But the question is now, not so much your faith for me. What is your faith for you? See, we got to keep on living. We got to keep on doing business. We got to keep on walking our lives out. And we can do it with wisdom but we can do it in faith. Amen? Seven of us believe that. Amen. Because he either is or he is not. And I believe that he is. So in the book, The Case for Miracles, a journalist investigates evidence for the supernatural. And this guy, uh, Lee Strobel, interviewed this missionary that he had been a longtime mi missionary in the Middle East. His name is Tom Doyle, D-O-Y-L-E. And he's written several books. But Tom tells of a remarkable phenomenon in uh, the East. And he said, Muslims and you've heard me talk about this so many times, but I actually read this this week, last week, and it was just, I got chill bumps. He said, Muslims are seeing a vision of Jesus in a white robe. Listen to this. He tells them that he loves them, that he died for them, and that he wants them to follow him. Tom says that it happened so much in Egypt that Christian outreach groups 
began to take out ads in the newspaper asking, have you seen the man in a white robe in your dreams? He has a message for you, call this number with their phone number being on the bottom. Come on somebody, is that not evangelism right there? Is that not an opportunity? Because I'm telling you, when people lay down their head, they talk all they want during the day. But you let them go in that dark room all by themselves and they lay their head down and then all of a sudden Jesus shows up in a dream. And he comes saying, I love you. Wow. That'll shake up. That'll shake up people. And there are, I'm telling you, if we only... If we only knew in America how many amazing Muslims around the world are coming to Christ. Why? Because Jesus loves them. It's kind of like Paul on the road to Damascus. Got his group heading to another town, going to kill him some Christians. (laughs) The only problem was Jesus showed up. Man, that horse came to a stop. Saul goes flying off, gets up, and he's blind. And the first thing he says, revelation. Lord, Lord, is this you? And the Lord says, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? And he has this amazing salvation experience. Ultimately, it cost him his head. Guess what? The moment the blade went down, Paul was in the presence of Lord King Jesus. And that head was forgotten. Why? Because he was whole. Like, listen to this, like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. I don't know. He might have a scar. Jesus said to the disciples, look at my hands, look at my side. Put your hand there if you need to. But he was whole. I like the idea of what our bodies are going to be in heaven. Come on, somebody. I'm going to walk through some doors. I don't mean open them. I'm going to walk through them. Jesus did it. I can do it. I'm going to walk through that wall. If he did it, He said, we can do it. The resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Most of us can't comprehend it. You don't have to. Just do what you're called to do here and now on the earth. Amen? All right, number 18, and this is my last one. I got all kind of time. I'm going to have fun. Next Sunday, our friend Pastor Jimmy and Jessica Hughes will be here, and Jimmy's going to be preaching for us next Sunday morning. So you don't want to miss that. Come, flew in from Honduras last night. Daniela, what are you already doing here? I thought your dad told me this morning y'all were coming Wednesday. You couldn't wait, huh? No. Daniela has moved back to Gainesville. She is a part of us now, and it's good to have her home. And... Uh, Her mom and dad are coming to make sure she gets all settled in, check her out and everything. Number 18, I love this one. The time is now for you and I to live as an overcomer. To live as an overcomer. 
Meaning, again, going back to my first point today, whatever the Lord has called us to do, he's graced us to walk it out. Some, it will be difficult. Some of us Americans will go through things. Some of the Iranian Christians will go through different things. Egyptian Christians will go through different things. Turkish Christians will go through different things. But whatever we are called to go through, there is a grace to go through it. See, I spent over an hour last week talking about wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. For most of us as American Christians, you're probably never going to have to make a decision, do I reject Christ or do I let him take my children? You're not going to have to go through that, I pray. But you are going to have to go through, what are you doing with all that God has blessed you with? Because if you think it's all about you, you're utterly foolish. He has blessed this nation for us to be that, as I talked about last week, that conduit, a blessing that runs through us into every part of the world that he has called us to be a part of. Starting right here in our Jerusalem, here at home. I started meditating this week on Revelation, and uh, I would encourage you, if some of it is just too deep for you, just go read Revelation chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 this week in your devotions. Just add it to your other devotions and, and just enjoy the fullness of the presence of God that will show up when you begin to hunger and thirst for what Jesus revealed to John the Revelator. In Revelations chapter 1, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's, he's, he's blown away by what he's experiencing, falls on his face. The Lord helps him up, and he says to John, he says, write these things. Why? Because you and I needed what he was saying. In 2021, we needed to hear. And the Lord said to John, he said, I want you to write to the seven churches. And he names them. And he says, I have something to say to each of these. And in the midst of a different word for every single one, in every letter to each of the seven churches, John writes two things that are identical in every letter. The first thing he says is, to him who has an ear to hear. Come on. Let him hear. Now, over in James, James talks about being hearers. Come on. But not doers. He said it's kind of like having faith without works. Works will not save you. But faith, by your faith, we're going to do some stuff. Amen? We're going to do some stuff. I I look back on what our little house got to participate in a few years ago when the Lord allowed us to be a part of delivering a million Bibles on the island of Cuba. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. Not a hundred Bibles, not a thousand Bibles, not suitcases of Bibles, but containers that were being shipped from China. Come on, somebody from China. We read those Bibles and they didn't take anything out. 
They shipped them from the largest communist country in the world today that is against the law to sell Bibles in China. They printed them, and we got them shipped all the way to Cuba. Man, we got the pictures of the, of, of the freighters coming in with the big containers on them. And then within a few days, a few weeks, those containers lifted off and put on a tractor and brought to uh, the mission in Havana and dropped off six containers side by side, open every door. And from the top to the bottom, from the front to the back, slam full of boxes. Come on, somebody, a Bibles. We got to be a part of that. Overwhelming. But that's not the limit of what God wants to do through us. He wants us to have a significant impact in Gainesville, Florida, in Alachua County, in Florida, in North America, in whatever country that he opens the door for us to go in. But we have to be overcomers, living in victory, believing his every word to accomplish some of those things. Hear me, you men, some of you have so much stress on your life right now. You think, oh my gosh, I, I just got to make sure that I got enough money to feed my family. And I don't know about the future of my business and all this stuff. The Lord did not give you that business so you could fret over it. He gave you that business so he could bless it. That's why I spent an hour last week preaching and teaching that word to us because there's a way in which God always blesses and there's a way in which God will never violate his word. So if we will literally line up our lives and our business according to the word of God, and hear me, listen to this. I shared this with three different businessmen this week. Don't ever again violate your peace. No matter how good it looks. How many besides myself have ever done something financially that just looked and sounded great turned out to be disastrous? Anybody besides myself? See, we don't need what it looks like. We need to know is the peace of God there. Is the peace of God leading me in this? Can I walk in victory in this? So instead of going from one business flop to another business flop, my life will line up with the word of God and whatever God's called me to do, hear me, he's obligated to bless. I said obligated to bless. What? His word, not ours. So listen to this, Revelation chapter two, I'm gonna just fly through this real quick, but there, there are seven letters and seven times John writes this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Then the second thing he says is to him who overcomes. Now, overcome, this is in the, um, the New King James Version, and the New International Version says the word victorious, and the ESV Version, which is what I normally use, uses the word conqueror. So conqueror, overcomer, and victorious. How many of you like those three words? Come on, somebody. I want my life to be victorious. I want my life to be an overcomer. Meaning whatever obstacle the enemy uses as a stumbling block in my life, I'm gonna use it as a stepping stone to do what God has called me to do. See, we can run into it or we can step over it. We're called to step over it. And it's not because, oh, look at us, man, I'm super spiritual, I prayed my way through it. No, no, it's because of him who made us and enabled us, and anointed us, and called us. Now we have the power to become 
an overcomer. Now listen to this. You've got to get this before I read these seven quick little points. He says seven times, to him who overcomes. Meaning as a believer, you don't have to overcome. Matter of fact, I grew up in churches where testimony night was the most defeating, disappointing, discouraging thing you ever heard because it was a whole lot of praising of what the devil was doing against their life. Y'all pray for me now. The devil's been after me all week. He's just been knocking me around. That's testimony night. My gosh. No wonder as kids, we walk out of church defeated instead of victorious. Because, yes, the enemy, like a roaring lion's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life. And that life more abundantly. So we have the ability, why? Because he's already called us and enabled us. But it's our choice whether we're going to be an overcomer. I got like 13 different things I want to say right now. (laughs) Listen to this, verse 7. To him who overcomes, this is what Jesus said to the first church. I will give to to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He's saying a promise to this first church. I'm going to give you this. The second one, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear. And he says, he who overcomes... I know you got to love this one, shall not be hurt by the second death. That's why I say to every precious soul that's about to transition from this world to the next, I pray a prayer over them, I speak a word, and I say, you do not have to fear death. Either we believe all the promises of God, or we don't. We've been in church for 70 years of our life, singing, I'll fly away. And then when it's time to fly, (laughs) we try to stay on the ground. Isn't that right? You don't have to fear death. We're going to be in his presence. He said, you will not be hurt by the second death. Verse 17, to him who has an ear, let him hear. He says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone... A new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. The Lord has a name for you. That because you overcome and live victorious, one day he's going to give you a new name. I'm good with that. He's given me a new body. I'll take a new name to go with it. That way I won't have to endure Georgie Porgy like I did as a child. Verse 26, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him, listen to this, I will give power over the nations. And then he goes through the things that he will do. Verse 5 of chapter 3, he says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not, listen to this, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before Father and before his angels. If Jesus is not going to blot your name out, and he's not ashamed to say your name in front of Father God and the angels, should we as believers not be fearful to name the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer? He's not ashamed of us. 
let's stop being ashamed of him. Just when you are totally dead, you will not care what your neighbors think about your Christian walk. But they will because your life can impact them. It might take a year. It might take 10 years. It might take 40 years. But one day, they're going to encounter something that's going to shake them. It happens to everybody. Everybody, no matter how much they proclaim, I'm an atheist. At that door of death, it's kind of like the story I shared with you all about my first parachute jump. That, that, that last day before we jumped, chapel was no longer just seven or eight of us. It was packed. Everybody's in there making all kinds of signs and, and had their beads, and they're praying all their religious prayers from their childhood. They're just saying, Lord, I don't want to die today. And, man, you could see it right before we went out that door of that airplane. Man, people, they're not singing. They're praying. <laughs> Why? Because it was the unknown. All the training was still the unknown. They were about to step their foot out of a perfectly good airplane from 3,000 feet. And the only thing that was going to let them down, the only thing that's going to keep us, is the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who overcomes, I will not. Verse 12, he says, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. And then last verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me. I love this. I started meditating on this this morning. You remember the disciples? Two of them said, Lord, who's the greatest among us? Humbly asking can I sit on your right? And the other one, can he sit on the left? But this says to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Listen to this. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. There's going to come a time when Jesus is going to allow you to sit beside him. I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty, that's pretty cool to me. I don't know for how long. I don't know if it's just a minute. Have a seat. Let's chat a little bit. All right, next. I don't care if it's for seconds. But he said, I'm going to allow you to sit on my throne the same way I overcame and sat on my father's throne. You know what Jesus is doing for you and me today? He's making intercession on our behalf. Why? Because he wants us to overcome. So I encourage you, as the ESV says, live out your life as a conqueror. As the NIV says, to use the word victorious, you have the ability and the right to live victorious. One of the reasons we're starting family night is because we have to have more time in this house to teach you the things of God. It's been years since I taught the Lordship of Jesus in our house. Can't do it on a Sunday morning. But we're going to take this opportunity for weeks at a time to teach us things that all of us need to either know, learn, or be reminded of. Don't stay at home. We're not going to to tell you weeks in advance what it is because we don't want you picking and choosing. You're either going to come because you want to come and you need it, 
But when we start saying, well, I've heard that a dozen times, or I'm doing that, well, you know what Jesus said to the young man that said he had done all that, right? He said, there's one thing I have against you. I want to make sure that whatever that one thing is in my life, I am in a position and a place to surrender it to Jesus Christ. Amen. So for four weeks, I've shared with you 18. I know some of you thought, well, it's 2021. Pastor's going to try to come up with 21 things. That was never in my mind, even though I was asked a couple of times. But there are 18 things that I've shared with you that I believe now is the time for you and I to begin to apply in our lives. Way beyond just going to church and paying our dues, that we get serious about these things and begin to walk them out as the Lord has required of us. So my challenge to us for 2021, number one was to seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, to pursue God with your whole heart. How much of your heart? Number three, to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. Number four, to read God's word daily in faith. I, I, I just cannot get past this for us this year. If you say you love Jesus and you're not in the word of God every day, you're playing a game. You say, I want to hear the voice of God. He gave you his word so that you could hear the voice of God. He will speak to you through his word. He will speak to you when you pray, meditate, ponder, think. But you have to, as believers, stop living for God out of your emotions and discipline your life every day to say, there's never going to be another day in my life that I don't meditate in the word of God. Whatever it is that you're reading and meditating on, that you discipline, say discipline, your life to walk that out. Number five, to worship God in song and prayer and meditation daily, individually and corporately. That's the beauty of corporate worship is that you get something in corporate worship you don't get in private worship, and you get something in your private worship that you don't get in corporate worship. Because in private worship, you can just get out there by yourself and just sing to your heart's content. And the Lord never says, whew, that is so bad. <laughs> he, he doesn't say, Whoo, could you go get some lessons before you start singing a new song to me? See, I believe your voice is beautiful. I believe it is. And when you begin out of your heart to worship the Lord, my dog right now is the only one that has to endure my new songs. I tell a dog, you got a good life. You just keep walking and do your business, let me do mine. But it, it's an opportunity to worship God. Find that place every day in your life. Because it's out of worship, you'll begin to hear the voice of the Lord speak to you. Number six, to invite the Holy Spirit to consume you with his presence and power. Number seven, to fully know God's love and to be filled with the fullness of God. Number eight, to live with the knowledge that you have been set free. Number nine, to live in faith and by faith. Number 10, to fulfill God's plan for your life. Number 11, to daily give place to the Holy Spirit, to love. Number 12, our enemies. Number 13, to bless those who wrong you and persecute you. Number 14, it's time to be the peacemakers. 15, to invest in that which is eternal. 16, not to be anxious. 17, called to be salt and light. And 18, to live as an overcomer. We are called, and now's the time. Amen? Amen. I want to ask you to stand to your feet, because I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. 
You don't have to pray this. If you want to pray this prayer, I'm going to lead us in a prayer that we're going to make a declaration to the Lord about this time that we are now living in. So I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. I'll pray it slow. I'll break so you can pray, all right? Pray this. Father God, thank you for loving me first. Thank you for sending Jesus to die so that I could live. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit to live in me, to teach me, to help me, to challenge me, to comfort me. You chose me first, and now I am once again declaring that I choose you to live for you and to fulfill your purpose in my life. You have given me the power to live for you, to live as an overcomer by the power of the Holy Spirit. I choose God to follow you as a disciple and to give my life making disciples. I choose to follow you and to live the victorious life that you said I could live. I commit these words to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise for his goodness in this word. We bless you, mighty God. We bless you and honor you. Now I want to ask you just to bow your head for a moment. Believers, I would invite you to pray. I just want to take a moment. If there's one person in this room that today you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He brought you here today for such a time as this. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. He has such great thoughts for what he has called you to do and to be with your life. But what it takes is a surrender. A surrender to Jesus Christ who already paid the price for your sin so that you could know the Father and so that you would have the hope of eternal life. But Jesus didn't just die so you could go to heaven one day. He died so that you could have life here and now. So that you could be forgiven of your sins, cleansed and washed and made new. Jesus was willing to do all of that because he loves you. Today, if you do not know the Lord, all you have to do is surrender your life. I can lead you in a very simple prayer, and in that prayer, you confess Jesus as the Son of the living God. You confess your sin. You ask Jesus to forgive you. And right here, right now, your life will be forever, eternally changed for the glory of God. And he will begin walking with you on a journey, a journey of life. This morning, believers are praying. If you're watching online and you do not know the Lord today, 
lift up your hand right there in that room and pray this prayer with me in just a moment. But for those in this congregation, if today you're ready to receive that kind of love, every head's bowed, everybody's praying, this is just between you and me and Father God. What a privilege it would be for me to lead you to Christ today. If you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, would you just lift up your hand and hold it until I recognize it? Yes, sir, God bless you. Thank you, sir. God loves you. Yes, dear, God bless you. Thank you. There are others in this place. God brought you here for this day, for this time, for this moment. And he wants so desperately, he's waiting so desperately for you to surrender your life and say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Anyone want to join these two precious people that have lifted their hands? This is your moment. This is your time. Don't want to rush you through it. Yes, God bless you, sir. Amen. 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 I'm going to invite you that lifted your hand to pray this prayer out loud. Simple prayer. And the whole church is going to pray with you. Pray this out loud from your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And today, I'm inviting you, Jesus, to be my Lord, my King, my Savior. Forgive me, I pray, of all of my sins. I surrender my life to you. And this day, I'm choosing you to be the Lord of my life. This day, I'm committing to following you all the rest of the days of my life. Father God, I love you and I thank you that you first loved me. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, give it the Lord a hand for these guys. God bless you, I love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.